0: Well, in your handout, if you turn to page two, we covered more than enough in page one. Perhaps if I remember, I'll bring a couple of more um, of these resources. These are old time, tested and true and good. I don't want to overwhelm you with them, but um, if you're struggling in this area, we're going to give you, we have given you, and you're going to, here tomorrow, today, and next week help, but sometimes you just need to dive deep into something um, because the the fear ruts are so deep in your in your life. It takes a while to let your soul restored um, to to get those ruts filled in with the words of the living God and to get up out of the ruts and be able to drive on the pavement of peace. So. That can take some effort, some work on your part, but um, you have so many resources at your disposal besides the Bible, and so here's two that I show you today. They're they're really easy reads. So what I mean is is that anybody can grab one of these books and work through it for in your devotion time, and it would be tremendously encouragement to you. This is John Macarthur, anxious for nothing, and he literally goes through it every. Um, major New Testament passage that deals with the topic that we're looking at. It's just, it's just superb. Um, and so I would encourage you in that. Jerry Bridges is perhaps my favorite writer. He's um, only been with the Lord maybe four or five years. I don't remember exactly. But um, Trusting God, Even When It Hurts. What a tremendous resource. Um, this, this book is worth reading like every other year. Okay, again, it's, it, it's an easy read on the one hand, but the truths in it are eternal and they're wonderful. And so there's two that I've recommended. They're down there. Here's an example. I got just the paper book. They're inexpensive. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but they will be of help to you. And so I wanted to, I wanted to encourage you in that. So we're going to actually um, start on the top of page three where it says God's view of our our yielding to anxiety and our basis for victory. And we've actually worked down to where we're getting ready to go into the book of Philippians right there in the middle of the page and look at those passages in Philippians chapter 4 through 9. Before we dive into that sort of as an intro, I just want to remind you that other than the person of Christ himself his the, the prophecies concerning his coming his coming and his prophecies concerning his return other than that I, I don't think there's another topic in all of scripture that there's more scripture about obviously it's something that we all face all the time and we're very very needy in this area and one of the comforts that I find is that how all of almost every major author speaks to it. Uh, and, and the message is, is resounding harmony, which, of course, you expect in the Word of God. And the Scripture is completely sufficient. So uh, we could sit here all day and I could have you turn to passages in Psalms, but let's just go to one that we looked at six months ago, Psalm 34. Just look at Psalm 34 for a moment, if you would. I want you to think of Psalm 34 in relationship to the passages that we're going to look at in Philippians. My guess is, I don't know if this is true, but I can close my eyes and do many times, and I can pray through Philippians 4.4 through 4.9, and I can pray verse by verse and word by word all the way through it, and I would assume you can too. It's, it's probably one of the most familiar passages of Scripture and one of the, one of the great passages of Scripture to help somebody in, in this area. And so just think of that. We're going to read that uh, last. And maybe if I had to do this over again, we'd have read it first. But, but see how these these um, lay over top. Remember in, in Philippians, Paul's in jail. And he starts out saying, Rejoice in the Lord again, I say. What? Rejoice. What an odd thing to say in jail. But we think about how the Philippian church was born, and we think about Silas and Paul being beaten and at midnight being in stocks in the inner jail, and we had the first jailhouse rock, as they say, as they sang praises to God at midnight, and God shook the jail. So why would we think that Paul wouldn't be saying to all of his brothers and sisters there at the church, rejoice always. So it starts with that rejoicing, and it always starts with a thanksgiving, because he moves from the rejoicing to the, the how you live, and a reminder... Be reasonable, be gracious, be moderate. Lots of different words there. Because the Lord's at hand. I don't care what you're facing, you have a reason to rejoice. Watch how you live because the Lord's at hand. He's near. The Lord is near. And now because of that, you don't need to be anxious. But we know you're going to be tempted. And so fight the temptation by praying about everything. Remember, we look at that And we don't just pray anyway. any way. We pray with thanksgiving. And then as we trust in God, his peace comes. And, and we see that over and over again. And then if we want to stay in that state, we have to think right. We were anxious because we weren't thinking right. And so now we've got that peace. We want to keep that peace, so we have to think right. And then he reminds us, Everybody needs this. So the things that you've heard and seen in me, do and teach others. And the God of peace will be with you. And, and, and that's the passages there that we're looking at. But of the, all, all these other passages I'm going to show you basically says the same thing. So look at Psalm 34. It starts out with, I will bless the Lord at all times. All the time. All the bad days. All the scary times. I'll bless the Lord at all times. Verse 2. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Verse 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name together. Now look at verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Why did I have to seek the Lord? And he delivered me from all my, what? Fears. He delivered me from all my fears. Look at verse 6. This poor man cried, And the Lord heard me, and he saved me out of all of my trouble. Look at verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their trouble. The Lord is near the brokenhearted, verse 18, and saves those who are a crushed spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. There it is. That's Philippians 4. In Psalm 34, but we could go over and over and over again, from Psalm to Psalm to Psalm, we see the same kind of thematic repetition. Last week, we walked through Matthew chapter 6, and we see that that was Jesus' emphasis on the Sermon of the Mount. And so I'm not going to walk back through that again. We're going to look at Paul here in a minute, But I want you to see that Peter does the same thing. Open to 1 Peter chapter 5. Gloria, I think it was you last week when I asked for a verse. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. And and really in these verses, we see all the same thing. 1 Peter 5, You'll you'll note here that it's talking a great deal about humility and submission. That's humility and submission to the Lord, to his word, to his ways, to his people, to his church, to his elders. It's it's desiring God's will over my own will, and he gives grace then for us to trust that, and in that grace comes peace. So he says there in the middle of, of verse Five, all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud. you know, got to underline that in your Bible, stamp it on your brain, and not to scare you half to death. God is opposed to the proud. And here's, here's the thing. If you take a wet wash rag, I don't think that's what we call them anymore. Do you know what I mean? A washcloth, a wash, anything that's wet, right? And if it's full of water, if I give it to Barb and she squeezes it, she squeezes all the water out, she can. We'll look and we'll think that it's dry. But then if I turn around, and let me see here. Drew, Drew's my muscle man, okay? I hand that same thing to Drew and he squeezes that thing, more water is going to come out, right? Now, isn't that a great illustration? I have no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> so yeah. Now I got it. Thank you, Lord. That's how we are. God keeps pushing us in the ringer and squeezing us more and more because we all got pride in there we don't know. We don't recognize this in there. And, and, and that that squeezing that pressure the squeezing of the water out it just a, a, an illustration it's not in my notes as you can tell and, uh, and and God uses that to purify us and make us more like him because all those pockets of pride is really self-love and and self-worship and and in those moments where we're not we're not trusting God and that's why we're anxious and so those, Those trials come, and it squeezes it all out of us so that we're more like Christ. That's one of the reasons in every trial we can rejoice. So he's saying, and he's reminding, Peter is, all of us, we need to be clothed continually with humility because God is opposed to the proud. He's opposed to pride. He hates pride. But he gives grace to the humble. He pours his ability, his enablement through his spirit to those that humble themselves under, under his mighty hand. and So that's what he says here in verse 5. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in proper time. He might lift you up. He, he, might, he might either give you the grace to walk through the trial or deliver you from the trial. We went back to Paul again. We can remember Paul, who literally in the book of Acts could touch and heal people, even raises one from the dead. Paul, by the time we get to the end of 2 Corinthians, one of the reasons we know the cessation of the gifts, he can't even heal himself. And he asked the Lord how many times to take away the thorn of the flesh. Something he was dealing with. He asked three times, didn't he? And, and, and the Lord said, no. No. My grace is sufficient for you in this pain, in this suffering, in this anxiety. In, in, in all of this that you have, my grace is sufficient. And in weakness, in your weakness, my power is manifested or perfected in you, that you might boast in me rather than in yourself. Well, that's that's the same truth for for you and me. And so it's, Peter here is saying the same thing. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might in the proper time exalt you. And one of the ways we humble ourselves is to acknowledge that we're not God, and we don't have the answer, but that he does and we trust him with it. And so he says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I want to camp out there all day, but we'll go back there next week. Let's look at James. I want you to see, James says the same thing. Absolute consistency. They just say it a different way. By the way, Peter says a lot more about that. Peter says, if any man suffers, let him suffer like a Christian. We suffer different. And in that suffering, we face anxiety, and we face all of the reasons to fear, but we face it differently because we face it As a Christian, we face it in faith, casting all of our care upon him because he cares for us. Look how James, James gets right to it here. James, the bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's speaking to the 12 tribes um, who have been dispersed and who are facing enormous persecution. I mean, he doesn't really give this, this letter much of a runway. I mean, he is like, sort of goes to it right away sort of takes your breath away what's like the first words that are coming out of his mouth after the traditional greeting that we all love to hear consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials i mean there it is rejoice again i say rejoice count it all joy count it all joy consider it that's an accounting term in the in the in the hebrew you know, you you look at it all and you consider it and you, you, you weigh it all out and you you recognize that God's going to work in this and in you for his glory and for your good. And so you've got all these various trials that test your faith. And as you weigh that all out and as you consider it from a biblical standpoint, as you consider it from an eternal standpoint, you go into this glorious thing. Rejoice again, I say. Rejoice. So that's what he says. James saying the same thing. Consider it. All joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect work or its perfect result so that you might be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. He says it completely different. But then he goes to the very next thing. He says, but if you lack anything, if you're lacking the peace of God, if you're lacking that, then do What? What does it say in verse 5? If any of you lack this wisdom, then let him ask of God who gives it to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to you. And he goes on to say you can be this kind of a person or you can be a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. Up one day, down the next. Up one moment, down the next. Your soul's not anchored in the cleft of the rock but you don't need to be that way. And here's the prescription. That prescription is precisely the same that we're going to look at now in the book of Philippians. So go to Philippians chapter 4 and let's see if we can pull apart this well-known passage that I'm sure you know very good as well. So let's just read it. Philippians chapter 4. I have for you in the handout... Um, a bit of the um, the background I I think you know it we just touched on it um, briefly being a prison epistle so I'm going to pick up here in verse 4 rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice let your gentle spirit. Almost every translation that you look at will have a different word because it's a very hard word to communicate and translate. So best thing to do is to go look at them all, maybe look up in a vines if you want, and write down all the words that it could mean because it, it sort of has that flavor. So King James used to use moderation. Um, I don't remember which one another one uses graciousness. This... Um, NASB that I'm using says a gentle, but but the idea is it's not an anxious spirit. It's not somebody hanging on to myself. It's not somebody that is without hope in this present age. No, I got Christ in me, the hope for glory. And so I'm rejoicing, and I let the spirit of God in me work. And so you can see it. It's It's a gentle spirit, be known to all men. Let people know that when you're faced with crisis, you have faith. Let people know that when you're faced with every reason to panic, your hope is in Christ alone. And so that's what he's saying here. And Why can you do that? Well, it's right here, because the Lord is near. They may not be able to see the Lord, but you know the Lord. And he dwells in you. You're the temple of the living spirit that dwells in you, and you live like that, by his power. goes on to say, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Guard, it's like a a century. It's like soldiers that that guard your heart from the anxiety. That anxiety comes and and it, it it guards it. It pushes it off. It says, "No, God is sovereign. God is good. God is gracious. God knows. God will care for me." And it guards your heart and your soul from those anxious thoughts. You make those supplications made, excuse me, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, you want to stay in that state, basically what he is saying, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, of a good report or repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on those things. Dwell on truth. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. That's what he's saying. Don't, don't, A good friend of mine used to come to me and he used to say, Pastor, I need some prayer and help again today because I got that stinking thinking going on. We all do that easily, don't we? We have stinking thinking rather than thinking these things. Thinking upon God, meditating day and night. And, and so that's what Paul is reminding his readers here. And he says, In the things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. It takes practice. We practice the right things. We practice thinking right and praying right. And the God of peace will be with you. So we see the the discipline of thankful prayer, and um, you heard great testimonies of it last week. And so let's just uh, take a quick look at it. Be anxious for nothing. Uh, it's a command. Uh, this isn't this isn't a um, this isn't a one-time command either. It's it's. It's a president. It's ongoing. We never stop doing this. It's it's to be repeated. I'm to be anxious for nothing. That's supposed to be how it is that we have been called by our, our great God. And we we looked at how Jesus gives us the same command in Matthew. And then it says, pray for everything. Um, the continuous discipline of prayer. You know, I, I've been a believer for a long time. And you really can't separate your time in the word and prayer on the one hand. Um, I don't know how to articulate this well. I've, I've tried to figure that out. I don't think I've ever one time articulated it well. But let me just say this. While there are different disciplines, reading and meditating on the word, studying, and prayer, they, they yeah, you can't pray right without the word. You don't know how to pray without the Word. You need to pray the Word. The Word tells us how to pray, when to pray, just like what we're reading here. So you you can't separate them. And yet, I'm telling you, as a frail man, I could spend hours in my study and love it, but the second I go to prayer, I'm in spiritual warfare. Do you know what I'm getting at? I I mean, I, I I could study the Word for three hours, and it seems like three minutes. But if I had to pray for three hours... It, for me, it would be like a, a Garden of Gethsemane experience. How about you? I mean, is that, is that kind of warfare? And, and my point is is that the, the prayer, it may be, if we read the scriptures right, it may be more important. But I don't even know how I said that, so you understand what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know how to articulate, because you can't pray if you don't know how to pray, and we learn how to pray from the Word and the Word is completely sufficient. So you can't pull them apart, but our tendency is to think we're having a time alone with the Lord, and we're going to be sanctified, and we're going to to walk in the power of the Spirit because we spend all this time in the Word, we go to all the Bible studies, we sit and we do all of the preaching services, we listen to tapes, but if we took the time of earnest prayer and we looked at it day in and day out, it's this much. In comparison. And therein is our trouble. And I want to tell you, to take it from this much and to grow it is hard. It's hard. It takes accountability. It takes discipline. It takes help. But that's its really what Paul is saying here. He said in First Thessalonians, we are to pray without ceasing. But we come to the point where as we're walking through the day, everything we see, we see in light of our need for the grace of God and we're talking to the Lord about it. And so the the discipline of continued prayer. And then we see that we are thankful in everything. Some argument about the preposition there, So don't get stuck in all that. What do I mean by that? There are some things that you may not be able to be thankful for, but you can be thankful in. Do you understand the difference? You're thankful in. You're not thankful for somebody's sin. You're not thankful for what somebody did to you. You're not thankful for evil. But you're thankful that in evil or in something, in abuse, in something that happened to you, you're thankful that in that, God can turn that for good. Your good in His glory. So that really is is the essence of of what Paul is saying here. We're we're thankful in everything. That's what he says in 1st. Thessalonians 5.18, I have it there in your handout. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So much confusion about how do we understand the will of God. And I probably should take a mini-series and roll that open as well. But for right now, let me just say this. If you're in it and it's happening to you, guess what? God, the sovereign God unfolded this for your life. And so your question isn't is it the will of God? It's happening. It's the will of God. The question really is "Is will you obey him in the situation and give thanks? You might say that there is a subtle difference there between sovereignty and providence. And so what's happening to you is, is God's providence In his sovereignty, he's working out his redemptive purposes for time and eternity over all the earth, over everything that's in the earth, and that includes Larry Brody and you. That's how he's working. and We can have confidence in that because the scripture says that over and over again. So in that, I can give thanks. I can cast all of my my cares upon him. Uh, we'll, We'll look next week more carefully at that verse in 1 Peter 5, 7. But you know that, that word cast? Uh, that's the same word that's used in Luke, where Jesus is getting ready to ride into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And they take a blanket and they throw it on the colt. They cast the blanket on the throw. It's the same idea. That's what we, we're to cast all of our, our burdens, like you might cast a, a big blanket, a heavy blanket over a fire. You're, you're casting all of your care upon the Lord because he cares for you. And then the peace of God will guard your heart through Jesus Christ the Lord. And so all the way through here, as believers, we have to know some things. And I, and I wrote down here, and and think about it, and ask yourself, do you know these things? Do you have these verses committed to memory? And can you can you fight? spiritual warfare in your mind when you say, this is out of control. To be able to say, it feels out of control. In fact, I have no control. You're feeling exactly right. You don't have control. Just sometimes we think we do. But there are some things that you know. And and all of these things, we put them here. You know God cares for you. Uh, You you know that God will sustain you. you. You know that everything that happens to you, God will turn ultimately to good. And, and so all of these things that we must know, we have to understand, we have to believe them because they have to be the truth. What is belief? Belief is standing on the promises. It's standing on the word and walking in that truth despite how I feel. And then the peace of God comes that passes all understanding. So that peace is made possible for us and we'll just pick up that same theme or one one more week and perhaps give a little more time for testimony and how this is working out in your life one more time I'd say again if you're struggling with this don't fight the battle alone Judy and I would be glad to sit down and help you and we, we might ultimately um, hand you off to somebody else that would be able to help but we're, we we want to help you. you you don't have to you don't have to Fight the good fight of faith alone. We were meant to be together, locked together in step as believers. And let's, let's help one another and let's pray for one another. God bless you. You are dismissed.